Welcome to episode 7 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I am Narayan and I am Anisha Motwani. Anisha, in the last episode we explored the intersection of business and politics with image guru Dilip Cherian. This time around I thought let's mix business with something a lot more personal. What do you have in mind, Narayan? Okay, it's going to sound very basic, very simplistic even, but there's a very profound truth underneath one that is the unquestioned norm or at least has been so far, and I'm talking about the ownership of cars. Mhm. Especially in a country like India, it's both the norm and the aspiration, isn't it? Yeah, Owning a car. Absolutely. Yeah. It's why the car industry is a bellwether for the economy itself. It's why a slowdown in car sales has economists and the public alarmed. There's something a lot more personal in owning a car. It's aspiration, identity and transportation all rolled into one. So true. Everyone who can dreams of owning a car. And in that simple statement though, I see two norms, not just mm-hmm. one. The idea of ownership, having something in your permanent possession and the specific idea of owning a car. Those are never going to change, are they? You know what? Never is a great word for those of us in the disruption business. It means that we are definitely going to storm that supposedly unchanging stubborn norm. But before we get to that, let's unpack the norm around ownership a little more, shall we? Okay. India's private consumption has been growing at a whopping 20% plus year on year and stands today at 420 billion USD as against 350 in 2017. In a country that has lived with constraints, owning things represented milestones in life. But all that is now changing with millennials. For millennials, the most important things in life are experiences and relationships instead of possessions. Mm. According to a recent survey, 65% of millennials are currently saving money to travel, not to buy the car, not to buy a house, not to save for the the future, but to just go experience the world, which is more than the average for any other generation. Wow. And travel is just one such example of the changing priorities of millennials. But most businesses are living in denial and failing to notice this new due line. Do you know what a due line is? I was wondering if you would explain it. In the world of navy, oh yeah. Due line is uh, actually called a distant early warning signal. Everybody ought to know this and thank <laughs> you for educating me. Okay. If you apply the same thing to business, the warning signs are there for everybody to see. Okay? It's just that we choose to ignore it and see it as a one-time millennial fad. and refuse to acknowledge that this storm is ripe and it's upon us sooner than we think. Mm. Mm. So while millennials may be leading the trend, even baby boomers approaching the retirement years are realizing the value of less is more, okay, trying to play catch up with life because they have now realized that they have the money, they've worked really hard, mm. they've slogged and now they want to experience the world and the rest of life they're almost playing a catch up with life itself hmm. so hmm. so it's not just the millennials it's hmm. the baby boomers and there is a lot of others who are now realizing the value of this particular trend so you're saying basically this norm will be stormed if it is not already yeah, stormed yeah these structural shifts are bound to impact business and hurt sales of many industries So sounds like it's ripe for disruption. 
and and also that the disruption is being led not by a product innovation or a category innovation but by the needs and demands of a new set of consumers with new mindsets i mean you said this right a core part of millennials default way of life is impermanence they don't want to be tied down true by anything permanently or even for the long term and that includes relationships jobs where to stay where they eat and as a consequence how they go from one place to another as well i can hear the words of our honorable finance minister when she said sometime back they are the reason for the auto slowdown <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right this seems to be a good time to introduce our guest for today with whom we will explore and explode this norm please welcome prabjeet singh the head of uber india and south asia prab is perhaps more qualified to speak about and storm this norm than anyone else in india at this point and not just because it suits his business objectives at the helm of uber so without further ado welcome to storm the norm prab thank you for having me looking you, forward to it we want to pick a norm and pick your brains on that norm and and as i'm saying this it seems too easy to put it out there for you given what you do in your role here in uber but let me put it anyway right and the norm is this that people will always love to own cars that's not going to go away that's the norm what do you think i would say that's a very interesting premise which i would argue very very soon and as we speak is changing dramatically i think we have been on a journey now for last decade or so globally and for what last 6 years in india and have seen a very dramatic shift in people's attitude towards car ownership or vehicle ownership in general i think we are beginning to see a trend where increasingly we believe cars are going to be no longer a owner of or a marker of one's identity okay and why is that hmm Let's look at what is a car providing. A car is providing a use case of getting from point A to point B. What if you are able to create a service which is able to get you from point A to point B uh, without having to ever park a vehicle? It gets you there in the same reliability or even faster than you will have to go and pick up your own car from a parking station and is actually more affordable than owning a vehicle through its life cycle. And that's exactly the core proposition for Uber. Mm. And for a market like India, we genuinely believe that there's an opportunity to leapfrog private ownership. So if you look at stats today, India has 22 cars for every thousand inhabitants versus 918 US. I wow. don't okay. think the Indian economy or the infrastructure can support India going through the same journey which US or some of the other developed markets went through. And if we overlay that with what's happening with millennials overall, mm. then we are beginning to see a pretty dramatic shift. The millennials are far more conscious of their carbon footprint. Mm. They're challenging themselves and saying, you know, why do I need to even own a car? Because by the way, am I doing the right thing for the environment? So here is where you are able to combine a new workforce, a new young population, which is beginning to get into the age where they would normally consider a purchase decision, combined with the fact that there is now one or more services which are available which are reliable affordable and safe and the fact that the infrastructure around us will actually not equip ourselves as a country to be able to have a lot more number of vehicles on the road we are beginning to see a pretty dramatic shift already now is that happening universally is that happening decisively across potentially it's too early right now hmm. uh, i think ride sharing is still a small part of the overall quantum of miles which anybody travels in a city uh, but we are seeing a real definitive trend over there i look at uber like the tinder of cars 
right? Uh, which is to say, I don't want to commit to just one car because it's not about the car, it's about the ride, right? And I'm not going into a long-term relationship with the ride. So I keep going from this ride to the next ride and, and that's how I go. But at the same time, we also have Shadi.com and BharatMatrimony.com. So is there a place for permanence and for Uber or is it one or the other? I believe this is a world which is evolving very rapidly. What we believe is eventually shared mobility mm. is the path forward. But shared mobility can take multiple angles. Mm. Shared mobility could mean that there is a vehicle which is a commercial vehicle on the road which you use when you want to go from point A to point B. You may use it for your own explicit use. You may actually share that vehicle under an Uber pool with somebody. You may have a situation where you may actually bring your private vehicle on the road mm. and while going from your office to home, offer to pick up somebody on the way mm. and be able to now do it with the help of technology. Mm. You may have a situation where there are assets available which are available for public use. For example, there are uh, in players who are beginning to emerge in the micro-mobility space. Mm. We have a service in multiple markets through electric bikes and scooters, which are assets which are now available at specific points in the city, which anybody can use and then leave behind for somebody else to use. Mm. So you begin to see a spectrum of opportunities under shared mobility coexisting. Mm. Having said that, does it mean that private vehicle ownership will entirely go away? I believe this will take some time. And the challenge is for actually players like us and other players in the ecosystem to make sure we raise the bar on reliability, affordability, so that we can meet different needs and different use cases for people. The onus is for technology platforms like us to create a range of services. And that's what we are embarking on today. What many people may not also know is we are able to integrate with public transit very efficiently. So there are folks who would say, look, I would like yeah. to go at Delhi Metro, which yeah. is by far the most efficient way of getting yeah. around. But what if through the same app, through help of technology, somebody is able to plan that route yeah. and say, look, today you can take an auto to go to the metro station, take a metro from point A to point B, and by the way, get down and then take an Uber pool, or you can take a Uber pool right through, and here is the trade-off on costs and time of arrival. I think eventually technology has to enable all those modes to coexist. And I see a space for each of these categories uh, to thrive. Kind of touches upon something uh, that we spoke with Dilip Cherian in, in the last episode of Storm the Norm. He spoke about this this idea called enlightened educated capitalism. How much is that in your interest to do it and, and what are the best case scenarios for, for a company like Uber to do that? I think at the end of the day, Uber is a platform which is deeply integral to the core mobility fabric of any city. And it is hence super important for us to do anything and everything which is needed to integrate core deeply with what is already existing, whether it be public transit, whether it be existing regulatory landscapes and make sure how we are able to bring the best of our competencies, which is technology, to be able to make that more efficient. The three ways which we are doing it. Number one is to say, look, there are existing assets already there in the landscape. How do we make them more efficient? Phase one for us was to say, look, why don't we bring technology to existing assets which are already there in the market? Second is to say, look, there are still more efficient assets, which are public utilities, mm. like the metro system or the bus network. What if we are able to enable a true multimodal planning? The challenge today of using a metro is not about the quality of metro. It's a fantastic service. The challenge is saying, how do I get to the metro station? And when I get off the train, how do I get out of the metro station? What if Uber is able to provide that service, is able to help you with a click of a button, plan the whole trip, and in the process, actually partner with the cities? 
and you do it not because you're trying to be just a good corporate citizen you do it because there are also the right commercial reasons to do it because in the process you are able to then become the operating system of everyday life and the third and last is to say look we can we use the platform to also create livelihood and that is something which drives many of us here today there are several <coughs> thousands of partners in india itself and in millions globally who are finding flexible livelihood opportunity by just switching on the app so i think between different ways we are able to then bring the best of what we do and then partner with what the needs of the society and the city are which makes me want to circle back to our original question right i mean everything sounds so good what about me as an individual right what about my identity what about my desires is one of the ways in which car ownership has been a huge signal of that uh, so what will happen to that i think it's an evolution okay <laughs> uh, it will it is disruption will not happen overnight mm. disruption happens in phases it takes time but we are already beginning to see pretty solid early signs remember the first vehicle ownership often happens when somebody enters a certain life stage mm. you may buy a two wheeler or a four wheeler if you look at the entire generation who is going to be entering the workforce or an existing generation which will be evaluating a second vehicle will stop for a second and think whether they need to do that whether that vehicle will be utilized more than what it is done today today a vehicle is utilized less than 4% of the time mm. can you imagine 96% of the time the, the vehicle is sitting parked somewhere over a period of time there are multiple vehicles and they are eating up into green parking spaces uh even if the vehicle is being utilized uh on an average only 1.15 passengers are sitting in a car so there is a moment of inflection which is beginning to happen where folks who are entering the workforce and they were evaluating the first vehicle purchase or folks who are evaluating a second vehicle purchase are beginning to ask that question mm. will some of them still buy it absolutely and thereby the but over a period of time the pace of that at least we are seeing is beginning to slow down and you begin to see a trend where if a service can match up to the same degree of reliability affordability and experience which you care for and you are able to then bridge that gap i think that's what the challenge is for platforms like us to be able to raise the bar on meeting those expectations for different use cases will i thereby never buy the first car maybe not yeah. so this brings me to my last question i don't know if you heard of this notion called the quarter life crisis uh, so older people like us uh, are used to midlife crisis <laughs> right <laughs> but millennials apparently they start doing so many things at such a young age that by the time they hit 25 they are like bas ho gaya i don't know what to do with my life anymore right so they get crisis when they are 25 quarter of their life right so my question is what will disrupt your model I think our core belief is what we need to be prepared for is keeping pace with how quickly the millennial or our existing customers needs are evolving. Mm. Uh, to me I'm less worried about whether they will move away from saying rather than a shared asset do I want to own an asset. Uh, I think that shift is now definitively happened. What I worry about is saying you know am I innovating fast enough to keep up with that. Mm. And our core <laughs> belief is we would rather disrupt ourselves versus wait for somebody else to disrupt mm. here are examples there are markets where we have launched new products and services whether it be our electric bikes or scooters uh, or even in india our two wheeler service or a three wheeler service where there may be consumers who will at the time of making the decision may say look i will probably take a product which is going to cost me cheaper which will cost me much lower than what it is today and by the way that ends up disrupting my existing core business of uh, intra city cars business which i had built before 
but that's okay. I would rather do it to myself than having a third party come in and do that. So again, we have to uh, consistently okay. stay ahead of the, the curve and keep disrupting ourselves. I am pretty confident that in a few years time, uh, Uber as you know it today will look and feel very different. We'll have a lot more number of services. We'll have a lot more multi-modal integration. We will see a lot more sustainable modes on the platform and we continue to respond to what the market needs are. Wow, okay. So it sounds to me like um, your only remaining challenge, you know, like how uh, Reed Hastings said their enemy is uh, sleep. It sounds like your only competition is going to be where there are no roads. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, thank you so wow, much. <laughs> on that one, uh, I must say like, uh, uh, it's not just road-based services. Uh, we are working on figuring out what the future could look like with uh, urban aviation. Mm-hmm. And there are uh, uh, deep research and deep work being done in multiple markets where we are evaluating uh, what uh, vertical takeoff and landing vehicles could look like uh, and what if we could help you get one uh, from the rooftop of this building, uh, again with the help of an Uber app. Thank you so much for such an enlightening conversation. Thank you. Pleasure being here. You know, Anisha, beyond the specific points Prajit made to storm this norm, There were two things that stood out for me as being particularly insightful. One is that disruption doesn't happen overnight. It's an evolution. And the second is that the best way to deal with disruption is to make it part of your own game plan rather than reacting to someone else disrupting your game. Absolutely. Yeah. There's obviously a lot more to absorb from what Prabhjit said. What's your take? Do you have SDN Fundas to give to our audience? You know, before we come to the STN fundas on the larger theme of ownership, uh, let's stay with the auto industry. As Prabhjit highlighted so succinctly, hmm. the hmm. advent of plethora of car lease services, whether it's Zoomka, Zipka, Vogo Rentals, Yulu, Ola Pedal, yeah. it just validates this trend of ownership versus experience. Hmm. Okay? When it comes to Indians, they're so value conscious, as Prabh said. The maths just doesn't stack up in favor of ownership anymore. Mm. You see BMWs and uh, Mercedes, you know, the whole connected car experience where the driving will be the least interesting thing as far (laughs) as automobiles is concerned. Okay, uh, so what experiences beyond ownership fundas do you have for our listeners? I'd like to talk about how millennials have ignited and everyone else is fanning the flames of the experience economy beyond possessions and how consumers and companies can derive value from. Okay. Make the experiences fulfilling with tech and trends enhancing them. Okay. Example? Say, for example, malls of the future. You can actually be on a lookout for trends. If today wellness is such a big trend... Let's say malls, what if they were to create wellness zones Mm. where it's not just about shopping, but also, you know, a quiet corner where you can just sit and maybe learn a few meditation techniques. What a contrast. I mean, so cross-pollinating these Mm. trends, that could be probably one of the ways where you can make experiences more fulfilling. That's really interesting. Let's take another example, Domino's. Domino's sees 60% of its total orders via the app or their website. Okay. And they are not done disrupting yet. Initially, it was just about the order in 20 minutes. They now have 12 ways to place an order, including Amazon Alexa, Google Home, Facebook Messenger, or the mere WhatsApp message. Wow. And it's not just about placing the order. It's about tracking the order. It's about tracking the person. 
this is how technology has created an integrated experience mm. a more transparent experience mm. very soon i'll be able to see my pizza being cooked i won't be wow. surprised okay okay that's one the whole concept of community is gaining a lot of relevance how do we create and weave in community in our experiences and therefore today you are seeing walking tours like minded groups getting together where you are able to enjoy it with people around you okay and that enhances the experience so whatever business proposition that you come up with make sure that it is not just for your consumer or for his close set but a larger ecosystem where community is involved and in many ways it just doesn't restrict itself to enjoying with the community in many ways it could also be paying back to the community mm. how mm. do you pay forward an experience some mm. this time you've experienced it next time you pay forward for somebody else to experience it so there are various ways in which communities can be leveraged sounds like a whole bunch of ways to open new doors to new relationships Absolutely true. Look at how beautifully Airbnb is doing it. Mm. They just started with the rental business, mm. and today I can use the local host for whatever I want. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. the best Japanese food restaurant to what? Where to buy my clothes from? So, tech and trends to enhance and make the experiences more fulfilling, and then weaving in community. That's Absolutely. too fantastic. Okay, yeah. what's number three? The next one is about building experimentation. into your experiences because don't give it completely ready made and packed to them where you give them the experience and they take the experience mm. there is a certain joy in discovering it mm. so the new tryout generation is living by the philosophy of nothing ventured nothing gained and they no interests are triggered by interactions with the outside world the process of interest discovery is messy okay it's inefficient this is because one can't really predict with certainty what will capture one's attention and what will not mm. giving customers tool to discover and do things themselves is such a great way of getting them engaged in the experience locking mm. them into mm. the experience mm. it's almost as if they discovered it for themselves while we can enable it and facilitate it but the discovery has to be theirs the next one which is i think we are all guilty of it today is Uh, creating brag worthy experiences it's no coincidence that the experience economy you know burst into the mainstream at the same time as the rise of social media on the go you want to share your experiences to make the world envious mm. while of course it is for your own self as well you want to feel good with the experience but there are a whole lot of people who would want to share that experience sometimes to make the other people feel envious but sometimes also to give tips to the world about what's out there okay so very quickly tech and trend enhanced experiences community woven into experiences experimentation and discovery and then make them bragworthy make them bragworthy right? those are the these four are the four trends, trends. okay yes. fantastic you know, every time you bring these fundas in i listen to all of them and the insights they pack in and then there is an epiphany that happens including but beyond each of these right and and what i've uh, picked up here is the question is not if people will own or want to own cars in the future in fact the question is about what does ownership mean at all anymore mm. and how can businesses use experiences beyond ownership to deliver the benefits of ownership but without the cost of ownership 
whether that's about cars or with anything else i think this is so well summarized how to give the experiences without actually baking in the cost of ownership that brings us to the end of episode 7 of stum the norm you can catch us on apple podcasts soundcloud and uh, yes this is brand new on hubhopper as well by just searching for stum the norm we'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks until then this is narayan this is anisha signing off and talk to you soon thank you